message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Here at VBF, if you're new, or if you're not new, we put a lot of emphasis on hearing the voice of the Lord. When we talk about the voice of the Lord, hearing the Lord, it's not audibly, like the Charlton Heston movies, it's not audibly, This is God. But it's the spirit within you that hears God. In the Bible, several times, it is said, he who has ears, let him hear what the spirit is saying. Now, obviously, we all have physical ears, so that's not speaking to everybody. It's saying he who has spiritual ears, hear what God is saying. When we hear God, it's like an ongoing, redundant whisper. And it's over and over and over again. You can't get it out of your mind. Now, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you just know certain things. You just know them. Last week, I kind of went out on a limb, and I spoke about some very sensitive moral issues. I talked about abortion, transgender issues among adults, or among children, excuse me, not adults. I I don't care what they do, but the children. And you didn't need me really, when you look back on that, you didn't really need me to tell you those things are wrong, because you know they're wrong. The Holy Spirit tells you that they're wrong. Look at some verses, John 18, 37. Pilate said, so you're a, are you a king or not? Jesus answered, you tell me, because I am, I am king. I was born and entered this world so that I could witness to the truth. Everyone who cares for truth, who has any feeling for the truth, recognizes my voice. Look at John 8, 47. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you don't belong to God. When I hit on those hot topics last week, those moral issues, if somehow you think you're wrong, Pastor, those are okay, then maybe you need to reexamine your walk with God. Because he says, People of the truth, hears my voice. If you don't hear my voice, it's because you don't belong to God. Look at 1 John 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all just, you just know. You just know. So the Holy Spirit lives within you. We used to sing that song, Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the vessel. Know ye not, know ye not, you are the vessel. You're the vessel of the living God. Now we need to learn to live by these promptings. First, you've got to expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And again, I know there's a fine line between living according to these promptings that are of the Spirit and living according to your anxieties and fears 
and other things you, 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 you hear, you know, constantly and you live with. There's a fine line between the two. Very often there's a fine line between truth and error. But we're to live, to the, live by the promptings that come from the Holy Spirit, but don't live by your anxieties and your fears and things that are repetitious in that way. And, and the answer, I wish I had time to speak on it, is in Hebrews 4 and 12. In Hebrews 4 and 12, it tells us that the Word of God is alive and active and has the ability to divide between the soul and spirit. The soul is the seat of the emotions. So the word of God, when it comes, it has the ability to divide between emotions and the real word of God. And so you shouldn't be fooled by this. Hearing God is just something you just know it's God. And it lines up with the word of God. And you're to live by those promptings. I got so much to say about that, but that has to be another time and place because we got to move on today. So we learn to live by what the spirit is saying to us and the written word. Story in 1 Kings chapter 13. A man of God was sent to Bethel to prophesy to King Jeroboam. And he prophesied, and the prophecy didn't set well with Jeroboam. And Jeroboam got mad. And he reached out his hand to cease him. So we're going to cease this guy. We're going to throw him in prison. And when he reached his hand out, it, it, it paralysis set in. And his hand withered up, and he couldn't, he couldn't get it out. He recognized that for what it was, I think. And he begged the man of God. He was afraid when he saw his hand paralyzed. And he says, hey, pray for me. Pray for me that God will heal me. And the prophet prayed for him, and God healed his hand. He was so excited about it. He said, man, would you come to my house? I want to I fix dinner for you, and I want to reward you, you man of God. He said, I can't. Why? He said, God came to me and told me that I'm not to eat bread with anybody here or drink water with them, and I'm to go home on a different route than which I came. And so he said, okay, I understand that. Now, there was an older prophet, quote, unquote, in the city who heard about what happened through his sons, and he said, so the man of God left? He said, yeah, what direction did he go? He said, that way. He said, saddle my, my horse. I'm going to go. I'm going to go find him. So this other quote-unquote prophet, he goes out and finds this man of God. He said, I want you to come home with me and eat dinner with me and come, come and, and, and just spend some time together. And the, the man of God said, I can't. God told me, I can't. God's spoken to me. And he says, I must not go home with anybody and spend time with them. I got to get back to where I came from. But the old prophet said, well, I'm a prophet too. An angel appeared to me and told me, you're supposed to come home with me. And so he went home, disobeyed the voice of God, and he was sitting there during dinner, and then the prophet really had God come upon him, and he says, I just want to tell you something. You disobeyed God, and now you're going to pay for it with your life. Whoa. A lion killed him on the way home. You say, why do you tell that story? It's just as important to obey the word of God that we hear as it is the written word. When God tells us something, we must obey it. You're expected to obey the voice of the Lord as you are the written word. Because today's part two of last week, let's get back to the written word of God. And let me start off by reminding you of what I heard God say to me about nine days ago. I was in my bedroom praying, and I said, God, 
I'm thinking back to our glory days when, man, the house was packed. There was like standing room only. The overflows were packed. Man, your spirit was moving. We had like 300 high schoolers. It was crazy. And I said, God, how do we go back and recapture that spirit? What do we need to do? Anything we're missing? And God spoke to me. I knew it was God. It came out of nowhere very powerfully. And he says, you don't have holiness in all of your leadership. And I can't entrust people to you. Is get the leadership holy. And I thought, whoa, this is God. Whoa. And so I said, God, I got my wife. I told my wife about it. And I said, let's pray right now together. Father God, if this is you, if, if I just heard you speak to me, then confirm it. Please confirm it that it's you. And I heard that voice again. I don't have to. It's in my written word. Why do I have to confirm it? Be ye holy because I am holy. Now I'm continually blown away by this word. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe left us this word. He told us how to live. And yet many of us are ignoring it. Look at one more passage, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, every one of you who hears my words and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, which they will, they will. And the wind blew and the wind's gonna blow on you and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall on that. In the Greek, that did not fall, it means to be lowered from one level to another. Do you see this person who's obeying the word of God? He turns everything for good. And so when these storms, these trials come, they didn't fall from one level to another for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, he or she is just a plain fool, a plain fool. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was his fall. This book blows me away. I mean, in this book, it tells you how to have a relationship with God Almighty. It tells you how to hear his voice. It tells you how to build a successful marriage. It tells you how to raise up kids that will fear God all of their life. It tells you how not to grieve the Holy Spirit. It tells you how to have good finances. It's all right here. It's all in the book. God created you, and he knows all about you. It's a phenomenal book. It's the book of truth. About the only truth we hear today. You're being lied to every week on social media, by the news. You're being lied to, lied to, lied to. I mean, even sometimes Christians are lying to you, and they're not even playing the game straight. I, I, I see it so often. It makes me so angry. There'll be a Christian site, and they'll say, you know what? I'm telling you now, God has given me the secret to, to getting over your depression. God has given me the secret to a successful walk with him. And you'll say, okay, cool. And they'll say, just buy my program for, for $49 or whatever. And I go, you gotta be kidding me. You, you, you spiritual jerk. That's what I feel like saying. That is just wrong. Or somebody comes out and says, I, I got the cure to cancer, man. Your cancer, I've got the cure to it. And I'm telling you, it's worked for hundreds of people. Buy my program. Buy my book. I mean, what are we turning into today? 
If you have these great secrets, man, share them with people. Don't ask to be paid for it. It's just, it just really grieves me. But this, this is about all, all the truth that we know we can stand on right here. We're just, we're just being lied to so much. Uh, don't get me off on that. I'll, I'll be here all day just talking about that. Now, the written word of God, we have to hear it, read it, and live by it. The last three days, I've had a fever about 101. And uh, I think it was a sinus infection. Don't worry. I did two COVID tests. I don't have COVID. But I had a fever. I didn't feel good. And last night, they were talking about have somebody fill in for me. And I said, no, you don't have to fill in for me. I turned to 1 John 5, 14, 15 in my Bible. And I read, again, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So I took that out. It's on page 1665. I looked at it, and I said, God, I know it's your will for me to share with the people the word of God tomorrow morning. I know it's your will. I'm 100% sure it's your will. 100% sure. And so now I'm going to stand on your word, and I will be well tomorrow morning. Got up today, no fever, none whatsoever. Feel 100% whole because of the word of God. It's written. It's written. It's full of truths like this. Yet many Christians don't take advantage of it. We ignore it. Look at Psalms 1, 1 through 3. I'm just going to read it right here. Sometimes I like to just take the Bible out and be kind of old-fashioned here. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, the word for wicked is very interesting here. It means morally wrong, ungodly, just on the other team. This kind of broadens the field here, just on the other team. It's talking about anybody that's not born again out there, uh, that we don't walk according to their counsel. Now, I'm not saying that those people that aren't saved cannot give us good counsel sometimes. They can a lot. God can use even them. But it's a generic statement here. Like your attorney might say, you need to divorce your spouse. The CPA says you're giving too much money to the church. Your doctor says you need chemotherapy. Uh, Your friends might say, spice up your marriage and do this or that. Start going with us away on the weekends. You're not to listen to that counsel but you're to let the word of God overrule it. At any time, God wants to overrule it. Now notice here it says, blessed is the man does not walk in the counsel of the Lord. He doesn't stand on the path of sinners. He doesn't sit in the sea of scoffers. Did you notice what it says here? You're walking with them, and then they get your attention, so now you're standing there with them. Now you're sitting at Starbucks and drinking coffee with them. You're getting intrigued by what they're sharing with you. He said, blessed is the man who doesn't follow this. But verse two says, his delight is in the word of the Lord. And in his word, he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in a season. In other words, what it says here is that whenever you need the fruit of God, it'll be there. Because you're walking, not in the counsel of the wicked, but you're walking according 
to the word of God. Now, a couple months ago in Man Cave, I taught the men how to study the word of God. You can't just read the word of God, you need to study it too. And I gave them four basic rules to implement in order to study the word. And the first one is this, read text in context. Oh, that's so important. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, a confederation of three countries came to make war with King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was afraid because this was a big confederation that was coming to destroy them. This was a humble man. You know what he did? He called all the people of the land to come together, bring their infants, bring their children, and he humbled himself in front of them and said, we need God. God's our only answer. Now, the Bible says if we humble ourselves and pray, that God will hear our prayers. And he humbled himself. And they begin to seek God, and he declared a fast. Do you understand? A lot of people don't even understand what fasting is for. The main purpose of fasting is to hear the word of God, to hear God. When you fast, you shut down this, 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 this machine right here. After three days, it all shuts down. You stop digesting food, all this stuff, and you can hear God real well. So he calls for a fast, and while they're all together seeking the Lord, a spirit comes upon Jehaziel, and he prophesies, and here's what he says, 2 Chronicles 20, 17. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them. The Lord is with you. Now, how many times have I heard people use this verse to give to someone else who's going through a trial, but this verse is not for them. This is for Jehoshaphat. Don't, don't go just giving this verse out to whoever is going through a trial because there's other passages of the Bible where God tells them to go fight. He's go take back what the enemy's given to you. So some of these verses we're using very carelessly were meant for certain people at a certain time. And we're confusing people. Now, I'm not saying that God can't use that advice again. And there might be times where in the Spirit He does say that. But you have to be careful. You have to put the text back in to context in order for this to work. Now, let let me look at this because I'm running out of time. I got about 14 more minutes or 15 to finish this. Uh, you must always consider the context of the passage. Now, there are many universal truths in the Bible that you can use all the time. What are some of the universal truths? Give, and it will be given back to you. That's a universal truth. Praise God, because he inhabits the praises of his children, and you know what? You will enter his presence. That, that's universal. If you give anything up for the kingdom's sake, the hundredfold blessing, God says, I'll give you a hundredfold back in this life and eternal life. That's a universal truth. Pray until you get peace. When you take your anxieties before the Lord, you pray and you do get supernatural peace. That happens all the time. The fervent prayer of a righteous person changes things. That's a universal truth. Train up a child in the way they ought to go and they will not depart of it. That's a universal truth. Use your spiritual authority and watch the devil flee. See, Some of you don't get it. A lot more of your problems are caused by demons than you choose to think. You better use your spiritual authority. 
learn to use it. Number two, I taught these men in man cave is you need to exegete scripture. Paul made tents. And when he made a tent, he would go get a little bit of goat skin over here, a little bit of sheep skin over here. He'd get some cow hides over here. He'd bring it all together to make a beautiful tent. We got to exegete the word of God. When we see a passage, we need to take a little bit from over here, from the Old Testament, the New, put it all together. Biblical hermeneutics tells us you cannot make a doctrine out of one passage or two verses or one verse or whatever. You have to have complementary things all throughout the Bible. And as pastor teachers, you're supposed to know how to exegete scripture. For example, some people get very mad at Valley Bible. They put a woman in the pulpit every six or eight weeks. We cannot, that is so unscriptural. What do they throw at you? 1 Timothy 2, 12, 13. But you can't make doctrine out of one passage. When you examine scripture in the whole, take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit from here, a little bit from there, you'll see that what that passage refers to is that women are not to usurp the authority of the man in the church. Vicki Lohman, man, she delivered two weeks ago. She delivered. You say, well, I still have a problem with it. Women shouldn't be teaching. Then fine. In, in two weeks, we're going to the men's retreat. Nikki's coming up with the word of God. So she's going to preach just to the women, but you men can come along if you want. How's that sound? You're going to preach to the women, and you can just come along, men, and you might learn something from this anointed vessel of God. And so... You must exegete scripture. Number three, you got to find the spirit of the text, not just the letter, but the spirit. Sometimes you got to pull yourself back from what's being read and say, you know, what does this mean to us in this generation and in this culture? Step back and look at it. For example, foot washing, that's in the Bible. And there are some Christians that still do that. I'm going to tell you now, I ain't doing it. I'm not washing your stinky, smelly, sweaty foot. I'm just not doing it. They think they're spiritual. We're having a foot washing service. That was for that culture at that time. They wore sandals. It was something that they did. It was not meant for this generation. You know, if I go to your house, we're going to take your shoes off. We're going to wash your feet. I ain't ever coming back to your house again, ever, (laughs) ever, ever, ever. I'm through with you. I just think you're goofy as the day is long, and I'm, I'm through with you. You're a goofy Christian. But you look at that foot washing thing, and you step back, and you go, God, what is the purpose of this? The purpose is that we're to serve one another in humility. It might be going out and washing somebody's car for them. It could be a number of things. Apostle Paul, you know, he, he had anointed handkerchiefs that he's laid in his body and he's sent out and he was healing people and delivering them. You step back and go, what's that about this anointed handkerchief thing? It just means that we gotta be open to creative ways of ministering the gospel. We gotta be open. I heard someone talking on vacation and I wish I could remember who it was, but I listened to a lot of sermons and somebody said they, they re-examined the prodigal son and there's a lot of lessons in that story, a lot of lessons. When you step back and look at the story of the prodigal son, a lot of lessons there. But he brought out one thing that's, that kind of sparked my interest. He said, you always return to the place of your last good memory. You always return. Church service, if you come and you enjoy the service, you'll probably come back next week. Uh, you, you, you parents, listen to me. If your home's not a happy home where you're laughing a lot and you're getting along, when your kids get older, they're probably not coming back. Jim and Tara, their kids are all still in their home. They don't want to leave. They love their home. And so you got to make sure that it's a happy place, that you're creating memories. 
This year, we went with the family to Lake Tahoe on a vacation. And we created such cool memories that we're going back every year now for the next few years to Lake Tahoe on our vacation, one of the prettiest places around. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you making memories with your family? And are those memories connected to God's stories? For example, let me show you something. Look at this video right here. Okay, Rome, you want to come in here? I'll trap him, Ollie. Here, you go going to the end. I got him trapped. Go slow. Go slow. You know what you should have done? Maybe I'll have some other. Oh, you got it, Alice. You got pepper. I think you got pepper again. Okay. Oh, you Ron, Romy's got one. Oh, she's got one? Yeah, can you take a picture of Romy? Romy's got one. Okay. Oh. Do you, oh, you want to show Papa? So you got a chick? Do you want the purple one? Oh, they're fast. They're really fast. Now we can look back at that video and I'll say, remember that? Remember that occasion? We talked about Jesus on the way up. We talked about who Jesus was and we prayed together. Yeah, Papa, I remember that. Look at the next picture. That's where our church started out at. We started right there with 10 teenagers. Look where we're at today, a little bit of improvement, right? I can look back to that, that a legacy and go, whoa, look at the next one. I can look back, that's Josh climbing a rock straight up. I always, you know, really overprotected him. That's the day when I decide to release him. Of course, the friend on top is one of the world's best mountain climbers. He's with Josh. But I let Josh, Josh just never look back, went straight up that mountain. And I can say, Josh, that's a time when God told me to really let you go. And the next one, remember that? That earring is the slave of Jesus. And I wore that for a long time to remind myself that I'm a slave of Jesus. And I can look back, there's a legacy behind that. And the next one's at Man Cave. It was not Man Cave, but the men's conference two years ago. Take a look at this. You look back at that story and I can tell people, you remember how God visited us on that mountain? There was a puddle of tears this big at the altar. You men don't wanna miss this retreat. This is the last day. God's gonna visit us in a very powerful way. And if I was you wives, I'd make him go. It's gonna be cool. So sometimes we have to step back and look at the Bible and say, what are you really trying to say here? And the prodigal son, he was saying, create memories. And then people will come back to those places. What is God trying to say to me today with this passage of scripture? Number four, consider the Greek and Hebrew words. Buy a simple Vines Greek dictionary or something that can help you with this. Sometimes when you see the Greek words, it changes the whole text. For example, in Ephesians 4, it says that pastors are to equip the saints 
So you do the work of the ministry, not us. Word equip you. And that word equip is the same Greek word as mending nets. Same word. So you get a word picture here. Everybody's coming in. Their nets are torn. We preach to you and we pray for you. So your nets will get healed. And then what are you supposed to do? Go out and catch people. That's, you're being healed for a purpose. Uh, when you look in the Hebrew, face and presence is the same Hebrew word. When I discovered that, I went, Woo! For example, when you're doing something that interests God, his face is turned towards you. He's, he's interested. And when his face is turned toward you, his presence is going to engulf your life. Pretty cool. Uh, some people believe in the second work of grace. And if they ever looked at the Bible and saw that the word receive is has changed with two different Greek words. They would see that totally different. Now today, let's end our time together, just 10 more minutes here, by looking at four more principles concerning the written word of God. Number one is, it'll give you a testimony for your future by obeying the word of God. Anybody remember Gene Weiner Cadillac? I used to be in Bakersfield. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you know, years ago, I had a little Cadillac it was so funny because we bought this Cadillac. I'd been praying for it forever. It was an old Cadillac. I really wanted it. And back then, Debbie says, people will get the wrong impression if you drive in this old Cadillac. They'll think you're rich and they'll, they won't like you. And so the first day, I said, can I drive it to church? She says, yeah, go ahead. So I drove up. She says, nobody saw you. You're, you're cool. So I got on my Cadillac and I hit the wrong button. It went beep, 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 beep. Everybody looking. Well, I had a wreck in the Cadillac and I sent it in to be fixed at Gene Weiner Cadillac. And they had it way too long. Plus, they gave me a loaner car. And it was a pile of junk. And I was getting very upset. Now, I got really upset when the day I finally went to get my car back, that they were pulling up to the front and they wrecked it again. I said, what? And so I got this manager out there and I was, we were going back and forth. Back and forth. This was a mean manager, I'll tell you. Going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And... So finally, I went home, and God says, what have I told you to do in my written word? Bless those who persecute you. Love your enemies. That's my written word. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. And so long story short, I went in and found this little pin set. Somebody gave me a gold pin set. Really cool. I decided then and there that I needed to go bless this man who was persecuting me. So I went back one day, and I asked for the manager. He came out. I said, what do you want? It's you again? And I said, yes, sir. I said, I came to apologize. I said, I am so sorry that I got in your face and yelled and everything. And I'm a Christian, and the Bible says to, to, to bless those who persecute you. And I, I'd just like you to have this pin set, and I'm, I just want to apologize. He got tears in his eyes. He, started, he was moved, obviously. Now, I don't know what ever happened after that. He probably still went to hell, but <laughs> I did what God told me to do, Okay. That's the important part of the story. I love to say that he fell down and repented of his sins, but probably not. So just obeying the word of God. I mean, me today, I got my Bible, and I remembered that verse. I really didn't have to open to it, but I made it work. If you ask anything according to my will, you get it, and I knew it was his will for the beer today, and I feel fabulous, but I made the word of God work. I put it to the test to be able to look at my kids when, when they're older and say, I always gave and I got back because that's what the Bible says. 
I gave up stuff for the kingdom of God, and I got a hundredfold blessing back in this life, and I'll give you the evidences. I forgave this VIP in my life. I forgave them. I went out and told them I forgave them, and look at the results of what happened after I did that. I can quote verse after verse that I, I obeyed and, and the, the promises that came because of that. Uh, number two, if you abide in the word, you'll have fellowship with one another. Fellowship. These are aha moments. Remember the spirit of awe? Our pastoral staff met right back there the other day, and we came in, and I said, man, God did something crazy, and they went, awe. And then they started telling their stories, we went, awe, spirit of awe. J2, Justin, he said, man, the other day, and I hope I'm telling this right, we're going to play the video next week or two, but he said, I went to put $700 in my account or whatever, and I, I got six in, and it kept kicking back 100, kicking back, kicking back. He said, finally, I thought, okay, what is this? I'll go give the 100 away. God wants me to give it to somebody. He had a cool God story, how he gave 100 away, and he doesn't have a lot of money. He said, it so blessed me that I took another 100 out the next day, and I thought, what? You're just barely getting by. And he's going through some financial trials right now, and he went and gave that away. And I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me. I said, man, that's a cool story, man. That is a cool story. He said, man, those people were touched too. It was really crazy. I went home after that meeting. My wife said, well, did you tell Justin what, what I said this morning? I said, no, I forgot. She got up in the morning, two hours before that meeting, and said, God has told us to give him a sum of money. Did you remember? I said, I forgot. I called him up and I said, God told my wife before the meetings they were supposed to give you a sum of money. And it so happened that it was $40 more than two bills that he had come in that were urgent. And he were able to pay those bills and have $40 left over. God was faithful. So you have these aha moments in fellowship. Uh, again, I said it some time ago. Do you remember these stereo, stereogram pictures? They had them in malls. It was a real fad for a while. And you see all these dots and stuff. But if you stared at them just right, it worked for me by crossing my eyes. You looked at them just right, this 3D picture would pop out at you. You remember those? They had them everywhere. So to the, to the, the ordinary eye, it looked like just a bunch of dots and a bunch of patterns. But if you looked at them just right, all of a sudden, poof, this 3D image came out. Pastor Jim used to get so frustrated at me and my daughter. He'd say, you guys are jasmine. There, there's no 3D image here. Oh, yes, there is. Tara, and I, I just tag it on. Is that cool or what? Too bad they can't see it. That is so cool. He's come on. And one day he saw it and he goes, aha, aha, I see it. That is really, really, really cool. See, we start seeing God in our everyday life and start having fellowship. I have the young guys now on Wednesday night, I'm making them do a verse by verse through the book of 1 John. Because it has a lot to do with holiness and I feel like that's what God's told us to do. And Gennaro was talking about fellowship the other day and I said, I'll give you a perfect illustration. Fellowship is a bunch of fellows in the same ship. And I want you to think about being on a ship with a bunch of believers and you're going to this remote island and you're gonna be there for quite a length of time. As a ship pulls in to, to, to throw out the anchor, you're talking to one another about your anxieties, about your fears, 
and about your dreams that God's laid in your heart and you're quoting verses saying, man, I'm afraid, but the word of God says this and I'm anxious, but the word of God says this and I feel like God's given me a dream and you're all sharing this stuff together. That's a perfect picture of Christian fellowship. Number three, it'll cause you to have God's stories. Now, I heard this some months back and I heard it again on vacation. I've heard it through two or three pastors and Carl Brettel said that he was in Jerusalem at a museum one day, and there was a bunch of shepherd's staffs on display. And he noticed there was a lot of little markings on them, Hebrew words and markings and sentences. They're all down the staff. And he asked somebody at the museum, said, well, what's this about? He said, well, back in those days, very often, when, when something really cool happened, when, when there was a God story or whatever, they'd mark it on their staff so they could remember it. Oh, kind of like, poof, light came on. See, one of the reasons I believe this could be true is that I'm, I'm like them. We're still kind of like one another. And if a God story or something happens during the day, it's really cool. I'll, I'll grab a napkin and write it down, or I'll, I'll grab a receipt, and I'll get the, okay, here's what happened. I want to write this down before I forget. Or I'll take a, a letter that I just got out of the mail, and I'll write on the envelope, you know. Uh, my wife will get mad at me sometimes. I got a bill here. Why did you write on it? That's what I do, just what I do, all right? And so I started thinking about this. David, when he went to fight Goliath, he might have had down on his staff, you know, I killed a lion, I killed a bear. And God said, lay your staff down now and pick up those stones and sling and go, go to battle. In other words, he could have been saying, you know what, don't live off your past God stories. I want to create a new one right here. That could have been. Jacob leaned on his staff as he was blessing his kids he might have been leading on the testimony of God and how God was faithful, and he knew when he blessed them that his God was faithful. In Psalms 23, it says, your staff comforts me. How can a staff comfort you? Well, if it's your past testimony, then that can comfort you, that God has been faithful in my past, and he'll be faithful again. See, when you're in a situation, you begin to doubt God's concern for you, and you begin to say, God, what, what, are we, what are we gonna do? I'm in this bad situation, and, and God, I don't know what to do. I, 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 I'm scared, I'm afraid. God says to you very gently, he says, just remember, just remember, have I ever failed you yet? When you wanna know why, hear the answer, just remember. And then number four, this is the last one I'll cover today. By obeying the word of God, it'll cause you to fall into God's will for your life. Just like when we're guided by the spirit, we fall into God's will. Our life is much like listening to the spirit and then also obeying the written word of God. And when we do, they kind of both do the same thing. Following the spirit and obeying the written word of God kind of gets you to the same place. When you do what the word says, when you do what the spirit says, it's like connecting dots, one, two, three, four, like a little kid's thing when you connect the dots and you end up with this picture of something. That's what happens. And so when we obey God's written word, sometimes we bless ourselves. For example, I'm gonna tell you the name of a pastor I was listening to the other day, and I love it because this annoys the Pharisees to death today. We still have modern day Pharisees. And when I mention this guy's name, they just have a tizzy fit. But I was listening to Joel Osteen. And uh, I'm not here to judge the guy. Sometimes I'll just listen to him when I'm traveling. And he told a story the other day, and I'll end with this. He said, a young lady in our church went away to college. 
And there she struck up uh, uh, just a, a very slight relationship with some guy in her math class. And they just exchanged, you know, uh, greetings every day and whatever. And she said she heard the Spirit say to her, invite him to church, which is also biblical. It's also in the written word. The idea is. And so she heard God say, invite him to church. And she said, nah, she made an excuse. Heard it again, invite him to church. Nah. Over and over again, invite him to church, invite him to church. Nah. And finally, one day she got the courage, said, I want to invite you to my church. Love you to come. She never heard anymore. Story kind of ended there. She graduated. She went to Joel Steen's church, and there she met her husband. Met a young man she fell in love with. They ended up getting married. And so one day after some time, her and her new husband were going to church there. They were on their way out one morning. They saw this, this guy from college. She'd never seen him there before. He was standing by the door, and he had an usher's button on. She said, hey, you did come to church. Yeah, I've been coming for some time. And she saw her husband run over, grab the guy, and hug him real tight. And she goes, what, you know him? Said, yeah, I know him. He's the one that invited me to come to this church. She got blessed by obeying the word of God. Now, I'm through. I planted the seed that God told me to plant today. Don't just listen to the word of God. Start living it. Live it. Obey it. Test him. When it says give, give. Give financially. Give it your time and see what happens. The word of God says that if you give to my kingdom, I'll give you back a whole lot more than you gave. And I'll supernaturally do it. Learn that you're supposed to forgive others 70 times 7. Forgive and watch what God does. I go on and on with all the written verses. Don't just read the word and walk away. Obey it. It says to go out and make witnesses. I asked our staff the other day, and I said, I'm talking about myself too, guys. But when was the last time we went out and shared our story with a non-believer? When was the last time we actually led somebody to the Lord? That's what we're on this earth for. It's time to stop reading the word, talking about the word. It's time to start obeying the word. You got it? And if you do, you will see blessings overcome you. I don't know what that says to you. Somebody here needs to go forgive someone today because God commands you to do it. Forgiveness doesn't mean you look over what they did to you. It means that what they did to you might hurt you for the rest of your life, but you're going to make a decision to obey the word and let them go free. Stop holding it over their head. That's all it means. You don't have to let them back in your life. Stop holding it over their head. Some of you might need to start giving. Giving financially to the church. Give tithes. Give offering. Or you can give it other places. You don't have to give it here, but we, we really watch where all the money goes. We have two missionary teams living, leaving for different parts of Africa. And the team just came back today. Dr. Dickey and Dr. Nalo said, can you give us a little money? We're a little behind. Yes, we can. I delivered the message. I'm not going to say anymore. If you're out there today and you've never been born again, today's the day. 
Just come up to these prayer people up here and say, I want to be born again. Or go home. You can do it in your car and just say, God, today I give my life to you. Holy Spirit, come and live in my body and give me the strength I need to obey you. Thank you. Love you to death. See you where? Here, there, in the air. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our